there was this period of time in the early postpartum where, you know, your baby doesn't really move very much. They don't interact with you that much. And so you're really just alone. I kind of relished it in it at times. I think there were times I was definitely like, I need to go like see people and do things, but it's where the creativity and the ideas and the inspiration really sparked for me. I'm Caitlin Salamini, and this is the Postpartum Production Podcast. Every other week, I talk with artists who are also mothers and caregivers about their postpartum creative process. You can find out more about the podcast at www.postpartumproduction.com, where you can also sign up for our newsletter. Jackie Leonard is a lifelong writer, podcast host, and a Southern California native now living in Oregon. She's also, excitingly, the founder of Motherscope. It was the birth of her first child in 2017 and her experiences in those early days of motherhood that inspired what would become Motherscope, a community of moms who inspire and uplift one another by writing and sharing their own stories. The things that make Jackie feel most powerful are the community of women who surround her, writing, and her children. Her garden, cooking, and her husband bring her peace. I'm excited to share with you her insights on how she's navigated writing and motherhood and how community is such a critical piece of that puzzle. Hi, Jackie. How are you? Hi, Caitlin. To start, yeah, I'd love to hear a little bit about the genesis of Motherscope. I would love to hear how old your kids are now, how old they were when this started, because obviously this is a conversation that focuses on postpartum and creativity. And so I'd love to hear what that means to you and how you've navigated that journey. Yeah, totally. I feel like every time I'm asked to talk about the origin of Motherscope and what I've been doing, I want to start it at different points because there are so many things like when you sit back and look at how you got where you are today. You can always like, oh, when I was five, I did this and it started that. Anyway, but as you were talking, I got a kind of a visceral reminder of a moment that really kind of got it going. Before that, though, I want to say you and I were connected through the second issue of Motherscope, which was Use Your Own Motherhood. And that was when you wrote that piece called Tandem, which was about tandem nursing. Right. And I believe our mutual friend, Courtney Killian, like sent out or connected with you about submitting and that's how that happened. So it's kind of cool to think back. That was, I don't know, a few years ago. I can't remember the specific year. Yeah. Thanks for that reminder. So I guess what really kind of launched me into this place where I started thinking more about bringing more voice to the experiences of women and subsequently mothers was, this was unplanned, but I was visiting a friend in LA. This was in January of 2017. And if you remember, that was when the Women's March was happening. So it was around Inauguration Day when Trump was getting sworn in. And I was just visiting a friend in LA because at the time I was living in San Diego and her roommate was planning on going to the march. And she was like, do you want to go? And At the time, I was very early into my first pregnancy. I was probably at that point, like eight weeks pregnant. So I knew I was pregnant, but it was still very early. And I Mm -hmm. very unsure about what was to come for me 
to be honest, I was a little anxious about going to this march because I had really no idea what to expect and what it was going to be. And I hadn't ever been in like a big protest type thing. So I thought, is this going to be dangerous? I don't know. You know, what's the vibe? I'm pregnant. Should I be going? But I went for it. And so we like hopped on the bus and went to downtown LA. And it was amazing. I can't remember the numbers now. I'd have to look it back up. But I think there were like over a million people maybe that showed up. Maybe it was not that many people. I don't know, thousands. More people than I've ever been around in my life. Blocks were just packed with people. And it was so peaceful. It was like this like weird thing where you were just surrounded by so many people. There was a lot of impassion chanting and people were fired up, but the energy was positive to me. And I never at once felt like I was in a position where I thought like, oh, I have to get out of here or something. It was just, we just kind of walked and it was just really neat to see so many people coming together for different reasons, like that you would read the signs and there were different things that they were there for personally, but everybody came together because they wanted to kind of take a stance on something that they felt was threatening our rights in different ways. And so when I walked away from that experience, I remember thinking to myself, if I just walk, like go back to life as like just status quo, go back and do what I've been doing this whole time. Like, what was that for? It felt very performative to just go to this march and then not do anything different with it, not take away the momentum that I had in that moment and do something with it. At the time, I was, like I said, I was pregnant, I was married, I was working as a paralegal for a law office. I had gone back to a job that I had done prior to teaching and kind of in this holding place. Like, I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but this is what I was doing at the time and not feeling the most fulfilled by it. And I hadn't been writing for years. Like, I hadn't written since grad school. At this point, I was four years out of grad school and I hadn't really written. Like, I finished my manuscript and I just kind of, jumped into teaching, got busy, then all those things happened that that took me away from it. And so I felt called from that experience to, I guess, start just writing. And I was like, I need to do something with it. I don't know what yet, but I do know that the way that I express myself is through writing. So I'm going to start there. And so I started writing about my pregnancy because I, at the same time, was feeling like there were so many different things that I was, that were coming up for me even that early in pregnancy, that felt unexpected. I felt very much on this like deadline to do all these things, not even just a to-do list, but almost like growth that I wanted to do for myself. Like I wanted to make sure that I preserved who I was when I became a mom. I was very worried about like losing myself in motherhood, not being the same person anymore after I became a mom. I think it's important for us to yeah pause and reflect on these things that we carry with us and these narratives that we have and why. Totally. I mean, the short answer is I'm still unpacking that. And that's kind of what the subject matter of the second season of my podcast is, is like getting down to like what's causing a lot of these fears that we have and this guilt and these worries about motherhood. Where does it come from? I don't know. I think there's a lot of different things on some level. I think I saw my mom, who was, is a very intelligent, driven person, go from after she had seven kids. So at some point before I was born, she left college. So she didn't finish college. And she had me and subsequently six other kids and had to go, eventually went back to school 
and became a and got her degree so that she could be a teacher. But something she always said was that if things were different, she would have done something different. Like she was always like, I wanted to be a psychologist or I wanted to do this. There were things that she had would always talk about. And I think she was well-intentioned, but she would share these different dreams she had for her life. And she obviously wasn't doing them. And it wasn't like she said specifically because I had so many kids or because I could be mom or whatever. I didn't do these things, but that was what I internalized. I think, I think I thought to myself, there were all these things that she wanted to do that she never got to do because she had so many kids or because she became a mom and she had to settle essentially for this other career that made the most sense for the family. And I think that might've been part of it to think about like having to give up what you want for your life or your passions once you become a mom sounded very scary. And that was something I think that happened. And I think I always expected to be a mom, but, you know, again, I could go on a rat down a rabbit hole about why I may have felt this way. But I think I just thought that once you became a mom, like those things take a backseat. That being a mom makes you a little less valuable, a little less like your time is up kind of thing. <laughs> and again, I mean, things changed radically for me after I became a mom, but that's where my mind was before having kids, I think. So the ticking time bomb. Yeah, that ticking time bomb. And the women's march coinciding. Mm -hmm. And I remember while I was pregnant with my son, I journaled and I journaled it to him. And the intention that I had in writing was I want him to know me as a person instead of as like just this role. I'm the mom, you know, even though I'm his caretaker and I loved him, obviously, and all these things. I had fears before I became a mom. I had things that were not so fun, things that I didn't like. And these are the things I like to do. And I don't know, I just felt very much like I wanted to preserve who I was because I liked who I was. I liked where I was. And that was why we decided to have a family. It was like, mm -hmm. we're all in a good place. And all of a sudden I was like, wait, we made this decision and now everything's going to change. I don't want it to change. And so that was what was going on with me throughout my pregnancy. I think something that really helped me embrace my pregnancy and embrace motherhood was the fact that we decided to go with home birth for my first child. We eventually did with my second as well. And I feel like once you become a mom, you realize there's this whole world of different things that are out there for moms. Like I learned about these mom classes and mom meetups and support groups that are out there. And Online, there are different publications and, and blogs that attend to motherhood. And around that time, I feel like there were starting to be more spaces for real stories, like honest storytelling about motherhood. And I was really sucking those, like really like drawn to those because like so many people, I was like, I did not know about any of this. Well, how did I not know this? I thought being the oldest of seven kids on my mom's side that I had seen it all. Like I was like, oh, I know how to change diapers. I know that this is what they do. And I know you have to do this. And there was just so much I didn't know. And so I learned about, I think you're probably familiar with them, the website Motherly, mm -hmm. and was reading a lot of their essays. I felt inspired at that point, like to write. And I started writing some essays about motherhood. And I saw on their website that you could submit to be published through them. And I thought, oh, okay, I'll do that. Like, I felt really excited about, you know, submitting my work to be published. And I submitted a couple things. I spent all this time on them. And then I like got a rejection, like almost immediately. It was like within a 
day or a few days. And so that's quick. (laughs) I remember it was quick. Maybe it wasn't as quick as it feels in my memory, but I just remember feeling like, wow, that was fast. Like it said it was going to take this long and they rejected me like swiftly. And I don't know, I'm that kind of person where I'm like, well, if I didn't get it, why not? So I went and investigated and I was looking at the different moms who are published because, you know, you could always link to what they're doing. And so many of them seem to be, from my perspective, very like established bloggers, like people who are probably making money blogging, people who were big influencers, and even like some celebrities, like people who were moms who are, you know, well known. And I felt a little slighted. Or, you know, I got this feeling like, oh, well, I thought this was a space for every mom. And it seems like the only stories they're really publishing are more established, like moms that have like some sort of um, cred or whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I don't think that's quite true, but that was what I perceived at the time. And so that's what got my wheels kind of spinning I mentioned the AWP conference that I helped at. I have had experience being an editor for literary presses. I've been the editor-in-chief for my college newspaper. And so I have kind of that production side experience to writing. And so I was feeling a little like stagnant with my own writing. I was like, I can share my stories all over the place. What good is that really doing? So I felt inspired to start collecting and reaching out to other moms and saying like, let me create a space where any mom can share their stories, not even somebody who is a quote unquote writer, just somebody who feels like I have as a mom inspired to write more because, and we'll talk about this, like just postpartum really did bring this desire to write and be creative in a way that, yeah, it's kind of crazy. It's magical. I think what happens in that time. When was it that you were having that moment of, okay, I've written this work, I want to submit it. And if we could just backtrack a little bit and understand that experience of postpartum for you and where that return to writing came, was it because of the fact that you were having to choose between going back to the paralegal job where you felt potentially, I would assume, not very fulfilled, whether that was creatively fulfilled or not, and juxtaposing that with the work that you were doing at home, raising your son? deciding where to put what energy you had left in the day. I don't know. I'm curious how that worked out for you or where that, like, was it that five week mark or was it earlier? Well, I will say, and I've talked to a few friends about this, especially friends who are creatives in different ways. And we've all shared similar feelings of during pregnancy, there was like a lot of creative thought that was coming Mm -hmm. up, but something about the pregnancy felt like we couldn't get it out. And we would joke about how during the pregnancy, all of the energy that we need for us to like create goes to growing this baby. And so I was feeling inspired and getting all these ideas, but I didn't feel like it was quite clicking. Like I wasn't able to really get it down the way I wanted to. And then it was like when you give birth, it almost opened that back up again. I can't quite pinpoint what it is. I think for me, it happened pretty quickly. And so postpartum, within the first few weeks, I was feeling like doing a lot of notes in my phone app, which I know you're a fan of. And just little snippets, like I would just be sitting and, you know, nursing, it took sometimes like an hour, it felt like to just have to sit there and just this monotonous, boring kind of, I can't do anything but think. 
And it forced me to kind of allow my mind to wander. And when I have that kind of quiet space, I think naturally I get ideas, I get inspired. And for me, my life prior to that had been so go, go, go that I never really had a quiet moment. I never really had this solitude or this mental load freed to give me that space. And I feel like that period of time doesn't last very long. Once your kids get a little older, you're preoccupied with all the other things. There was this period of time in the early postpartum where, you know, your baby doesn't really move very much. They don't interact with you that much. And so you're really just alone. And Mm -hmm. I kind of relished in it at times. I think there were times I was definitely like, I need to go like see people and do things. But it's where the creativity and the ideas and the inspiration really sparked for me. That's interesting, though, because I'm hearing two stories of postpartum for you, though, because I heard a story of the triple feeding, you know, the ways in which you were challenged in early postpartum with feeding your son, who was also low birth weight and and managing all that. And also at that same time, this opening of possibility of, you know, just like slowing down. So how those seem in juxtaposition to me. And I'm curious why, or if you've ever explored where those sort of intersected or what it was about that moment specifically, and then how that continued down, right? Because like you said, of course, those early weeks, like as you should be bed bound, I -hmm. personally believe that every birthing person should be tended to for a good month and that you should really be just resting for a while. And so you aren't really out in the world, right? But then you are. And how did you navigate then that transition? Or also, I'd love to hear like the early part and then I definitely did not tend to myself or rest in that early first period. I mean, I did like the bare minimum of what I should do based on my limitations, but I think I was going through like work withdrawal in some ways where it's like, okay, if I'm not working, I have to be doing something. And so my brain was like, okay, let's like, let's think of things you can write down. So I wonder if it was just my body, like my, not even just this beautiful creative inspiration. And it was almost like, all right, well, you have to do something. So let's do something that feels like you're accomplishing something in this time period. I think there's something very jarring about when you have a newborn, they're so wobbly or floppy, I guess I would say, that you don't really have an extra hand. I remember there were times that I was able just to sit and I was sitting, but I was like, usually when you sit down, you can kind of grab something, eat, do these things. A lot of times when you have the newborn in your hands, you can't even do that. It's really difficult without support. And I remember feeling, especially because I was having so many challenges with the nursing, oftentimes I would just sit there and not have my hands free. And I remember feeling like, well, when I get a moment, I want to write this down. I've heard the expression that like people are cracked open that when you give birth. And for me, I think I just felt so jarred by this birth that happened in a way that I didn't understand and wanted to make sense of. I felt like there were a lot of things that happened in my personal life at the time that were a lot for me to hold inside. And since I was a young child and could write, that's been the way that I am able to make sense of what's happening in my life. And so it was just a therapeutic thing, I guess I would say. I needed to purge. I needed to get these words down. And in the process, I was like, oh, wow, this is actually really amazing. And I think it wasn't conscious. Like This is me looking back on it. At the time, I was just doing it because like I said, this is something I did as a child and as a teenager when I 
couldn't really express it. Otherwise, that's where it went. And so, and I realized how important that was for me. And after, you know, I would say like a year out from birth to go back and read things that I wrote in the haze and the fog, I was like, oh, wow, you know, and I would not have been able to go back and write that. I forgot about that. And I thought there's something really special about being able to capture these feelings, even when they're not pleasant or it doesn't feel like a time that I want to write about. Looking back on it, I actually had a different perspective of it and appreciation for what we had been through. So I don't know if that quite answers your question. I think it's very possible that the juxtaposition exists because I think motherhood is a big juxtaposition a lot of times. But yeah, I think it was just an outlet for me to really express myself. I'm curious too, when you say you looked back on it and you thought I couldn't have, in a sense, you couldn't have produced that type of work a year later. So what was it? Like, what were you capturing in that moment? Or like, was there even just from like a more of like an even a literary critical theory sort of analysis, right? Of like what you were doing and producing in that moment. I'm really curious to understand what was different or what you were able to do then that you weren't able to do later. Well, I think as a writer, I can sometimes be a little bit of a purist when it comes to editing for that reason, where it's like, I get these flows where I write and I'm like, I can't go back into that and add to it because it felt like it was an experience of that time. And I'm not in that, I'm not in that space anymore. That's not always obviously realistic when it comes to like longer writing and all that stuff. But I think to tap into that emotion or that moment is one reason why I had that perspective where it's like having hindsight and having space away from an event that you're writing about, I think does alter the way you write about it. Because if I were to sit down today and write about what it was like in those first three weeks with my first child, I would have this awareness of like, oh, like it actually wasn't that long. It was like a blink. But when I wrote about it, or if I wrote about it in those first three weeks, it would have been like, this is like taking forever. I don't know if I can do this anymore. You know, all those emotions that are there, I can remember, but I feel like it will kind of just be a different tone. That's the first thing. And I think the second thing is because there's so much that happens, especially in those first few months, you forget details that I don't know if you can always get back because we're sleep deprived during those times. And I rely so heavily on all the pictures and videos I've taken because a lot of times I'll like go back and look with my kids and be like, oh my gosh, like I don't even remember that we did that. And how would I be able to write about that if I lost that completely? So yeah. And to clarify too, in terms of format or also in terms of form, how would you define the work that you do as a writer? Because, you know, obviously for me as a fiction writer, if I'm writing fiction while I'm also postpartum, it's slightly different because I'm not writing about that particular personal experience, right? So I'm curious to know a little bit more about the work that you produce. And also, obviously, it sounds like, though, that so much of that first postpartum experience was directly tied to a new writing identity that you were creating. Yeah, I like that you brought that up because I haven't quite thought of it as like a new writing identity. Up until that point, I definitely was writing things that were loose based on some real life things that I experienced or, you know, subtly throwing in things or as all writers kind of, I think, do. But I never would have said I wrote things that were like nonfiction or memoir style or personal narratives. 
until becoming a mom. And to the point now where that's, I'd say, almost exclusively been what I've written since becoming a mom, which in some ways is a little frustrating. I feel like it's so like my attention is so fixed on my experience that I haven't explored enough to get into fiction again. But I would say my writing now, I would say is prose. It's not fully like essayist. I really just write like little streams and sometimes I get like enough to call it a whole piece, but prose and some narrative, like personal narrative style writing. Yeah. And so connecting that to, I'm feeling a little gap in the narrative here of, okay, three weeks postpartum and then starting mother scope. So when did the genesis of mother scope come? Because I also know you have two children. So we're missing a little bit in the chronology here. It's kind of a weird evolution because I don't really know like where it made the jump. So my son was born in August and it was in January that I decided to publish like a website that was basically a blog. And at the time I just had my own personal like writing about pregnancy that I put out there. At that point, I was thinking like, I want to talk to other people. So what do I know how to do? I know how to interview people because I did that as a news editor. So let me interview people I know. And I wasn't focused on motherhood at this time. I just wanted to interview women and give voice to the everyday woman who is out there. And for the first like collection of interviews I did, I focused on work because I wanted to talk about like the different ways that women work and interview them. And I did that and I published it on the website. I had an Instagram account at the time that I was sharing these interviews. And that was how I started to kind of and I was figuring out all the social media stuff at the time too. And I was doing it very casually, but that's where it kind of originated. And you brought up birth stories after becoming a mom, became really interested in just all these different birth stories that I would hear. And my own birth experience felt so out there from what I had ever heard about that I decided, oh, for my next series of, I don't know, blog posts, I don't even know what I would call it, but I'm going to do birth stories. So I decided on social media to just put out a call for birth stories and see what I found, what I got. And because I was new and small, it was very slow going. I remember I had to like really reach out to people I know and say, hey, can you write a birth story? Like, you know, and really pulling people that I knew and encouraging them to do it and encouraging them to share it with their friends. And it was very word of mouth. And it took a while to get that first issue out. And I don't know where... I honestly couldn't tell you at some point between deciding to publish birth stories on a blog to the print version, I decided I want to make this a book. I want to make this something that people can hold and read. I don't really like to read on websites anymore. So this feels like a cool thing to do. And yeah, that's when the first one happened. And then it just seemed to kind of grow from there. I had a friend who's a poet talk with me and I think I was we were like kind of brainstorming or I was asking for her opinions or advice about what to do with what I was working on I didn't really know what to call it or or what to do with it and she kind of says well it sounds to me like you're really interested in motherhood so why don't you like focus maybe just doing all women and all stories of women is too overwhelming or feels like it's already been done like maybe you could focus more specifically on motherhood and for me, I think that was a moment when like a light went off and I was kind of like, okay. And I was playing around with names. This was probably back in November of 2018. So at this point, I had, my son was already a year old, a year and a few months old. So that's when Mother Scope came to be. And it was in January of 2018, 2019 that I started publishing all the birth stories 
online and on social media. And it took me even longer. It took me until maybe, I think, May of 2019 to have the print book. And that was the collection of birth stories called Oh Mama that I released. And it has, I believe, 30 or 32 birth stories from moms all over the world. Or they're birth stories from people from all over the world. Not all of them are necessarily moms. One of them was like written by a sister who witnessed her other sister giving birth. So there are just like some little kind of nuances, but really cool to have been able to do that. I felt like, how did I get all these people? I didn't even know all of them. Like, And that really got me fired up for, okay, well, let's do another one. And I decided the next one was going to be on the theme of choice choice in motherhood, like the choices that we make as moms. And that was the one that you contributed to. And it's just kind of continued from there. And a little, I think a year after that was when I started to think about how can I help people write stories? Because I'm getting all these messages from people who enjoy Motherscope and are feeling kind of inspired to write, but they feel very insecure or like they can't do it. And so that opened up the door for me to think, okay, maybe I need to start doing workshops and how can that, well, how do I do that? And I really wanted to do events. And at this point, 2020 was coming around the corner. And I thought my goal for 2020 is going to be to focus on, you know, building a community and hosting events. And (laughs) (laughs) And I got two done. I did one in January and one in March. And then- The one I did in March was like a few days before they like declared the pandemic. So we all like, everybody that attended that was like, wow, that was like the last event I went to. It was on like Women's International Women's Day or something. You know, I shifted, obviously, like everybody did because of the pandemic, but it's been a blessing in some ways because it really helped me see and nurture the community at large. Because at this point, because I had put out a few issues, the community wasn't really local. It was really people all over the country and in other countries as well. And because of the pandemic, it was like, oh, I have to do virtual. And it was like, oh, wait, I already did this virtual workshop. So I just have to continue that. And anyways, that's kind of the evolution in March of 2020 is also when I found out I was pregnant with my second. So I had a completely like start to finish pandemic pregnancy and we had not expected that to happen. And so it was like, I remember in the first few months of my pregnancy it was like, was this a mistake? Should we have not have done this? But in hindsight, it's like, well, what would have we had done at that time? It was, it was a perfect time to grow a baby and have a home birth because we didn't have to worry about all the restrictions in a hospital. So that's ultimately where the trajectory of mother scope. And I have at one point, I thought about doing a podcast before I started doing workshops and I chose instead of a podcast to do the workshops. So it's always been on the back of my mind and I would like to pursue my own publishing. Like I would like to make a collection of essays or, you know, short writing that I've done around motherhood and eventually get that published. And I started talking to a couple editors and agents and a lot of them kind of suggested having like a newsletter presence and a podcast presence is a good way to get yourself primed to try to publish. That was their suggestion. And it was enough for me to be like, well, I've always wanted to do a podcast. And this is another way to reach more moms because I knew myself and knew that a lot of times I am not able to read as much as I would like. And I'm putting all this energy into creating these magazines. And I don't know how many people are able to sit down and read them. But what if I 
have this podcast where we're sharing stories in a way that they can listen to it on their car drives or while they're cleaning or hanging out with their kids. And they're able to feel less alone or feel like they're able to connect with other moms in this different way. Yeah, I was thinking, I'm glad you mentioned that because I was hearing two things again. One was that early on you were alone, you know, a lot. You were, there was a sense of solitude. There was a sense of quiet and then this impulse to build community as well. So obviously those are two different things, but I have a feeling that the early solitude was something that, or that experience alone that you were craving an understanding of that or a connection around that experience, which then connected you to others. Right. Yeah. Um, Because it sounds like, you know, it's not like you did this and then wrote your own book about it and now are just on this trajectory by yourself that you have this impulse in you to build community and to be around others. Maybe it's being raised around a lot of other children. I don't know. I don't know. I'm still pretty much like a homebody. I do not want a lot of people (laughs) around me. But something about becoming a mom made me feel more communal in like a way where like I was like, I want to nurture, I want to have more friendships, female friendships. I don't know what it was exactly. But I just remember feeling like I wanted to have more people around me that I could talk with about these things. Like I said, I feel like there's so many different entry points that I could say were what got me starting Motherscope. And I think the other one that was parallel to the other stuff I've shared, when I was pregnant, two women that I knew, one from uh, undergrad and one from grad school were pregnant around the same time, I learned. At the time, we weren't especially close. Like we had stayed kind of connected because we all sort of do via social media, but it wasn't anything like really substantive. Like we weren't like talking all the time or hanging out aside from that. But I reached out to both of them and was kind of like, hey, like I'm pregnant too, congrats or whatever. And we just kind of started very casually talking and it eventually grew into like texting. And one of the friends gave birth like just a few days after my son and the other one gave birth a little over a month later. And so not together, but separately, I was texting these two acquaintances at the time during those early postpartum days and being like, you know, like, what the fuck? Like what's going on? Is this like a shit show for you too? Or what is going on with you? How are you doing? So we were like venting and supporting each other. And, and that was something I hadn't fully had or needed really at that point in my life. Like I had friends I was close to, but not needing in such a way. And I felt like at that time I really needed, I mean, I had my husband and he was really supportive, but it was like, I need another mom. I need somebody who's in it right now to talk to and to like connect with. And those two women really kind of made me realize how much I wanted that more in my life for the first time. I don't think in the past before becoming a mom, I would ever have said like I was like somebody that had a lot of girlfriends. My teenagers, I was like proud of being like having a lot of guy friends. And I thought that was cool. And in grad school, I hung out with a lot of the guys who were fiction writers. And I didn't see like a big value in, I don't know, hanging out with a lot of women, to be honest. And something about becoming a mom really shifted that for me and gave me a respect for and this like almost like a sisterhood that I wanted and thought was valuable. And I remember in early months of motherhood trying to go to like mommy and me classes and taking my son to the park and thinking that I'd like meet people. And that just wasn't happening. Like doing these things that were for my son were not actually the ways that for me, at least I know that works for other people. But for me, I just 
didn't see like a natural way to meet other moms. Like we might talk about, oh, is your kid, how old is your kid? What's their name? And that was kind of it. And it felt very surface level and not really what I wanted. And through all of this that I've done, I've just met so many amazing people. I mean, like you included. And I guess that's something I was searching for and got me motivated enough to build mm-hmm. this out. That's so interesting. You know, I had never thought there's a few things that just came up for me. One is that the community that you built, it did have a obviously a creative focus and also sort of a professional or like separate identity, right? That it wasn't and not to diminish the identity of motherhood or of early motherhood, but that you were also craving you wanted to talk about something outside of just talking about your son or talking about those experiences that you were having, yet you were right. So you were like craving this community that was doing investigation in some way. There was some meaningful like thought process about almost as this other layer, right? Of like, you didn't just want to talk about your son. You wanted to talk about the experience of talking about your son. (laughs) It's this like new analytical layer of connection, of thought of like a deeper level. Like it wasn't right. I mean, I I mean, yeah, no, that's totally true because I felt unfulfilled by a lot of the like, and I'm not here to diminish because I think there's a place for this, but like the mom blogs that talk about like the children and the focus on parenting and those things do get mentioned in the stuff that people write for Motherscope, but it's different. It's like this more, it's, I don't know any other way to say it, except that it's like more mother centered. It's more about yes, this is something going on with my kid, but this is how it's affecting me. This is the things that's making me think about. Very introspective, a lot of critical thinking. You know, it just feels more adult, even though we're still talking about motherhood and we're still kind of like our kids are coming up a lot in this. Something about it felt more stimulating to me than what I was seeing out there. And I feel like people get it that are in the community because I see what they're writing and it's what I'm talking about. You know, I always say, you can write something that has nothing to do with your kids. And it's still coming from the voice of a mother. Like it has changed. You've been altered in some way that I think to go back to what I was afraid of, what I said before becoming a mom was that I was going to change. And I liked who I was. I didn't even know, like, I didn't even know what was going to open up for me that I don't want to go back to, you know, that person. Like I feel I kind of wear this like motherhood identity in a way that I feel proud, but I also realize like I can't take it off. I see the world. So like the general like overarching concept of Motherscope is from the belief or the awareness that I had that now, from now on, the way I see the world has changed. It doesn't look the same to me anymore. And the way people see me now and I see myself is different. And let's talk about that. Let's talk about what that is. And so, yeah, I'm glad you kind of identified that as well, because it is a little different than I think what I had seen out there. Yeah, thank you. I don't know if you can see, but you've like brought tears to my eyes. I did not expect that that would actually make me. I'm obviously postpartum and very hormonal too, but <laughs> there's just something really powerful in that and saying, I think that cracking open feeling of just being in that early postpartum of saying like, this is who I am now. And like, there's no other identity to have. So why are we trying to force these boxes? Like, I feel like I don't leave this. I am who I am now. Okay. So there's been this like monumental shift, right? Like early postpartum does that. And yet I think this previous, for me anyways, and I'd be curious your thoughts on this dialectical feeling of a mother being that which stays at home in a certain way or has only this relationship with their children. And the definition of mother is not that, right? It is that, but it's, and I don't want to say, but, and it is 
so many other things, right? And so I think that reframing for me was really important. And it took a long time to sit in that identity. And as you said, and to feel power in that versus feeling as something that had to be kept elsewhere, right? I mean, as you said, in terms of that photograph that I submitted, but also, you know, I brought my daughter on book tour and I was just like, I didn't feel like I could leave her, but I also didn't want to. And I loved that she experienced that with me. And I think it was really important for her to be a part of that. You know, I think that that resonates for a lot of women across all sorts of professions, right? So yeah, I really thank you for bringing that up. And I also was thinking, and this might be another podcast episode that I could explore, but this desire for community and where that comes from. Like, I'm even curious to speak to, you know, researchers, psychologists, people who have looked at the brain and why we need community in postpartum would be really intriguing to explore a little bit more too. So I know we're getting tight on time. You have a pest control person coming to the house. You have all sorts of of home-related items going on on your end. But before we go, I would love to hear quickly how you define postpartum, if you could, in maybe a sentence. Oof, that's a lot. And also how you define creativity, since this is what we are exploring on this podcast. I would love to hear your personal perspective on those two subject matters. I wanted to look up the definition of postpartum, like the (laughs) textbook definition, because that's what I do before to kind of frame myself. But I love the idea that postpartum does not have like a set limit to how long it can last. And maybe it's especially people that have kids like closely together. It feels even more like everlasting as a result. I mean, I still... And I don't know if it's because of the pandemic, I still feel postpartum and my daughter is a little under a year and a half. I've heard about what they call like the fifth trimester, which is like after postpartum and when you like go back to work or, you know, that's like the term they say. I feel like postpartum is kind of, gosh, the definition, I would define it as like a transitional or shift period or like a period of growth that feels like bigger than your regular life. You know, obviously we're always growing, but like that growth period where it still feels like you're adjusting and changing and getting used to and all this stuff. And I think that's why I say it can last as long as you want. I think that spills into almost just what parenting and motherhood is because we're constantly having to shift and evolve and change along with our kids. But I'd say that like intense period of growth is how I would define postpartum, like that healing process of body, mind, spirit, change. I appreciate that helps me a lot. That helps me in understanding what I'm doing here. And also maybe you need to go into Wikipedia now and be like, yeah, oh, I'm gonna look that. <laughs> it is not six weeks. <laughs> no. I mean, just these ridiculous definitions, right? Of like, oh, okay, it's the six week mark. Therefore, my body as an individual has suddenly shifted and I'm good now. God, it's so frustrating. Don't get me started on all the medical ways that we define, right? Like pregnancy, even in the term of pregnancy and birth and how long it's supposed to last and et cetera, et cetera. Before we go, I had to like kind of reality check myself because, you know, I was beating myself up over like my body, not feeling like not proud of where my body is right now. And I was like a year postpartum. I mean, some people have quicker recovery than others, but I was like, it's really only been a year. And then it's now it's like I've been a year and a few months. I still feel like I'm not quite there. And that's okay. Like, I think that I'm still postpartum and I'm going to say it. Yeah. Well, I would challenge you there even to say what is there, right? Like if you shift your whole understanding, like a sense of, oh, I have to 
maybe my mind and my emotions aren't going back to something, then why would my body, like, where would my body go? Maybe my body goes in a totally different space too, right? It takes space in a different way. I don't know. I hear you. Cause after three, I've got a really interesting new shape. Like, oh, I was like, this is not what happened with my first. Why? <laughs> oh yeah, it is. This third, I have new, I don't know. My kids would have all sorts of fun ways of, they love it. They're like, you've got a squishy belly mummy and I can jump on it. And I'm grateful to have a partner who finds it really attractive. And I love that. And I think that wouldn't that be nice if we didn't have to feel like, oh, this body somehow doesn't fit in this new space either. Because I don't know where it could go. It's not going backwards. It's going forward. So I don't know what that means. But Thank you for that. Yeah, that is a good reminder as well. Yeah. And we need more community around that too, to like normalize that. Right. Okay. So quickly too, creativity, has that shifted for you in terms of your definition? Yeah. I mean, I see creativity in everything. I was talking to, I think this was before we recorded about how cooking for me is an outlet that I didn't realize I needed and enjoy. I feel creative when I'm cooking and I don't think I looked at it or appreciate it in the same way before. I feel creative when I'm playing with my kids. And I feel creative when we're, you know, decorate, like I'm trying to figure out how to arrange things in the house. I limited it to, you know, the arts, you know, if I was painting or writing, but I see it in a different way now. And I think that all goes down to me wanting to kind of democratize writing for people who don't necessarily have dedicated their education and like I have to the craft. I think it's universal and it's available. And so it's been fun to look at the world as a creative space in different ways. Yeah, thank you. And thank you, by the way. I'm really glad you mentioned that one of your aims with Motherscope, at least, is to democratize writing, because I feel like there are so many gatekeepers in the creative world. And I think you mentioned that early on, right, and feeling like who gets to write for certain publications and what does that even look like and what is the written form and how do you know what deserves a space that of critical analysis and of what subject matters even, right? With motherhood being a subject worthy of its own analysis and its own intellect, but it doesn't have to be intellectual, right? It could also be something that is more felt and visceral. And how do we explore that? And what does that creative impulse look like on the page? I really appreciate all that you're doing there and welcoming this diversity of stories and perspectives, I think. It's something that I haven't seen as much as a venue for women who are wanting to like find that impulse and to honor it. So yeah, thank you, Jackie. I'm excited for all that's to come from Motherscope and we'll be sure to include when this podcast is released that it will be lots of links for everyone else to find you and um, we'll have on the show notes. And if you want to say anything else about Motherscope or anything that's coming up for you, any calls to action, feel free to share them. The, I'll share two things really quickly. I just now starting in a week, the second season of Motherscope, and you asked me at the beginning, like, why do you think you felt this way? In the second season, I'm doing like deep dives, looking at the way pop culture, movies, television, things that we were exposed to, especially when we were younger, but even today are representing motherhood. I just recorded an episode talking about how Disney has represented moms and like the erasure of moms and the death of moms mm. and what messaging that gives us as children and then later adults. And so if this kind of stuff is really interesting to you, I encourage you to check out those that batch of new episodes that are about to come out. 
as well as the previous episodes that were interview-based. And Caitlin is one of the guests where we talk about, you know, a story that's closest to your heart about motherhood and they're, they're really powerful episodes. And upcoming, I don't have a set date yet. I was hoping for April, but maybe May at this point. I'm going to be launching a writing community for moms that's going to be membership-based and just a lot of writing support and community built into that. So if you're following Motherscope on Instagram at Motherscope, you'll get all the updates there. That's the best way. I also encourage you to subscribe to the mailing list. That's where I update everybody on new things. Great. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jackie. This conversation with Jackie brought up many thoughts around capturing the present moment in postpartum and in our children's lives and how we can create writing that simulates and delves into the sensory experiences of early parenting. I'm impressed by Jackie's desire to democratize writing to include more diverse voices in her publication. Her episode had me paying more attention to my surroundings, to the ways in which our children draw us into the present, and how that can impact our creative work. Jackie reminded me to pay attention and to look for ways that mothering can crack us open, can be a critical and relevant part of our artistic practice. You can find Jackie's writings and the Motherscope podcast at her website, motherscope.com, or on Instagram at motherscope. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Caitlin Salamini, and this is the Postpartum Production Podcast. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give us a rating. This will help us reach more listeners like you who are navigating the joys and pitfalls of artistic and parenting identities. For regular updates, visit our website, postpartumproduction.com, follow us on Instagram at postpartumproductionpodcast, and subscribe to our podcast newsletter on Substack. Thank you for listening, and we are so grateful to have you with us on this journey. Postpartum may feel like forever, and sometimes it may feel very lonely, but you're not alone here.